This episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your afternoon playlist, State Farm knows you personalize your entire day. And that's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with the State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices vary by state. Options selected by customer. Availability and eligibility may vary. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Ooh, we're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the field. It go down. It go down in the field. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-patrollable bonus vest that expires seven days after receipt. See full terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. The Delta variant, vaccine passports, and an ever-changing COVID landscape on today's Behind the Headlines. In this episode today, we're talking to Justin Hicks and Lauren Gibbons about the changing COVID landscape in Michigan. And my co-host, as always, the vice president of content, the one, the only, John Heiner. How are you, my friend? I am sitting pretty right here in the middle of summer with a little bit of sunburn on my back from the weekend. We are at the like absolute dead center of summer in Michigan. And, you know, I'm going to go off on a tangent at the beginning of this podcast instead of midway through today. Uh, Eric, I know you're a big movie buff, right? Yes. Okay. I want you to name like the biggest summer blockbuster ever you could think of. The biggest blockbuster ever uh, would be the summer blockbuster. summer blockbuster would be the second Avengers. Uh, I'm going to, sorry. I was going to say Jaws. <laughs> there you go. Thank you, Lauren Gibbons. I haven't even introduced you yet, but you win the prize. You get the giant stuffed animal. It's Jaws. It's the number one summer blockbuster of, of all time. And it had all the perfect elements for a summer blockbuster, which it was set in the summer. It was set on water. But there's like this impending menace, right? This, this uh, you know, it's, it's haunting this island and it's, it's making people disappear and it's gory and all this stuff. Well, spoiler alert for people who haven't seen Jaws at the end of the movie. Uh, the shark is no more. So, you know, the, the menace is gone and we'll never have another summer blockbuster about a shark eating people. Right. Wrong. Of course, there were sequels. And so this is my long uh, elliptical path around to the topic for today, which is um, COVID has returned. Uh, this is the sequel. We're in the summer of 2021. And last year at this time, uh, when we had the original movie COVID, um, the summer disaster movie, um, we were sitting here on podcast talking about it, and we really haven't had a discussion about COVID and our journalism around COVID in some time. And uh, it, all kidding aside, it is a serious comeback, um, and it's having implications across um, business, societies, universities, hospitals. Um, and so today on Behind the Headlines, we're bringing a couple of our top statewide journalists who, who write about the public health and the politics around COVID 
Uh, first, I want to introduce Justin Hicks, which is a public health reporter for our public interest team. Good morning, Justin. Morning, John. Thank you for joining us. And then you've already heard from Lauren Gibbons, who's the one with the big stuffed animal uh, for, for, for winning the trivia contest. Uh, Lauren covers politics on our statewide public interest team. Good morning, Lauren. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Uh, this was kind of a no-brainer topic. Um, you know, whenever each week we do one of these, I start looking ahead for future topics. But what I was doing was seeing stories that we're writing now daily and the audience reaction to the story, how much readership is coming back to COVID stories as public interest um, in, in Michigan and elsewhere rises around the Delta COVID variant. But what I saw was a story that Justin had written that said, I think it was a week or so ago that said, you know, 10 Michigan counties would now you'd have to wear masks under CDC guidelines. Well, as of yesterday, it was now like 30 some. And so Justin, why don't you just for the sake of our listeners, talk about the rapid advance of the Delta variant, why this is happening and, and what the public health implications of that are. Sure, yeah. So back in, in I think early to mid-May, the CDC came out and said, if you're fully vaccinated, you don't need to wear a mask indoors anymore, with some exceptions, hospital settings and, and others. Um, but for the most part, that was kind of the key takeaway message. If you're unvaccinated, you should probably still wear a mask indoors, but if you're outside, you can take it off. And at the time, health officials around Michigan were kind of like, whoa, 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 let's uh, put a metric to that just in case we see those cases that were declining at the time turn around and start coming back up. And so we get through June and into July through July, we're starting to see those numbers go back up. Um, not as much in Michigan that we are starting to see that here, but across the country, we're seeing uh, even larger surges. And that's mostly due to this new Delta variant, uh, which is kind of, it, it's the new dominant strain in the country. I don't know that it's quite the dominant strain in Michigan yet that we know of, but it is rising each week. And so the CDC came out and said, all right, let's tie a metric to this. If your community is above X number of cases per week and your positive test rate has gone up above this metric, uh, it would be wise for you to put on a mask when you're indoors around other people um, to protect them from you possibly passing on this virus that you have and you don't know that you have because this Delta variant is more contagious uh, and infectious than previous variants. And so they created this metric. And so we looked at, at the counties in Michigan. And like you said, last week, there's 10 of them that had enough new cases and a high enough positive test rate that it was uh, the, the transmission was high there and therefore used to wear a mask indoors. That's grown to, it was 31 yesterday. I think it's 33 today. Um, and so we're, we're starting to see that those numbers continue to rise as well as we're seeing more cases per day and higher test positivity. We've seen too, the return of discussions about masks, um, you know, um, space, uh, physical distancing, things of this nature. And uh, a week or so ago when the CDC issued it seemed to hit people out of the blue uh, when they went back to issuing guidelines. Uh, and, and some of the complaints around it were it seemed like inconsistent or uneven. It seemed confusing to people. But here we are going back. And you, you said in the uh, when we were uh, prior to this show in the green room talking, you mentioned a story you're working on that is now seeping over into the commercial sector businesses. And, you know, why don't you talk a little bit about the implications this is going to have is people just go about their day-to-day -day life. 
Yeah. So I, I went grocery shopping last week and I saw more people with masks on in my local Meyer than I had seen in months. And so you're starting to see um, communities put up uh, rules or, or suggestions to wear masks. You're starting to see businesses, a couple had announced today, they're going to start re requiring their workers and, and maybe their customers to wear masks when they go indoors. Uh, and so you're kind of starting to hear those recommendations of even if you're vaccinated, break out the mask, have it on you just in case, because uh, you they might you might be required to wear it. Um, and and there was kind of this frustration that I've I've heard from talking to folks who they got vaccinated, they're fully vaccinated, cases went down, they saw things open up, and they kind of just stopped checking in on the the stories on where we're at with coronavirus. And so having the the okay, I'm fully vaccinated, I don't need a mask anymore now being told I might need a mask again has brought up questions like, um, does the vaccine not work anymore? Um, you know, what's why, why did I get the shot if I have to wear a mask again? You know, I'm enjoying summer. I don't want this on my face. Um, and, and I think the, the rollout maybe was a little bit uh, difficult for people in that regard because they thought one thing, they thought they were done with the mask. And um, I think they're, they're learning more and more about this Delta variant and the fact that it is believed to be more infectious, um, people who are fully vaccinated while still protected by it, um, they they typically, or it, it seems like they carry more viral load and therefore they could pass on more of the virus even if they're not sick to somebody around them who is vulnerable, who either has other health conditions that make them unable to get a vaccine or their children and so they can't get one and so that you are seeing kind of some frustration, but it, it looks like we're returning to a bit more masking as we're seeing those cases rise. Yeah, you know, one thing that seems to be missing, and I'm gonna direct this at Lauren here, but one thing that seems to be missing that was present last summer was the political dimension of all this. And, you know, it, everything in the gamut from governor's orders, the, the legislature fighting the governor over it, you know, power struggle there, but also protests like the business community and school groups and all that stuff. And it seems to be absent right now. I know schools aren't really in Lauren, but um, w politically, you know, why is it different now? And do we expect to see it ramp back up with any kind of government restrictions? We got the CDC, but here in the state, what, where we stand with it politically? Sure. I think the main reason that uh, we're not seeing those protests and we're not seeing um, those huge divides between the governor and the Republican-led legislature is because there aren't uh, restrictions right now. And to go off of what Justin was saying, um, it was very, uh, the messaging around um, the removal of masks if you're vac vaccinated and lifting the restrictions, it was very much like if you get the vaccine, we won't have to do this anymore. We won't have to increase restrictions again. I think politically, um, no one is interested in putting restrictions back. Um, that comes from the administration who got a lot of flack um, from businesses, from Republicans, um, got a lot of criticism for using the DHHS to put in these uh, COVID-19 restrictions. And so if, it gets to the point where the administration feels the need to start doing those again. And it's going to be extremely, there's gonna be an extreme blowback um, to that. 
that said, there's not um, a great alternative that's been proposed by uh, by those who have um, been critis- critical of the administration actions. Um, there's no, well, we don't like what you're proposing, but we have this alternative that satisfies public health experts. There hasn't really been that. It's mostly just been let, let the restrictions go. So um, it really remains to be seen, you know, how this Delta variant continues to impact people. But I think the key here will be, can the administration and can um, leadership and public health experts convince more of the public to get vaccinated? Because Otherwise, it's trending in a direction that is not good for the COVID-19 numbers and not good politically. I agree. This All you got to do is see the daily numbers. And the example we already used with Justin's story from last week, 10 counties and now 30, 33 counties, um, it would stand to reason that by you know tomorrow or end of the week, we're going to be half of Michigan or more. Um, this is spreading and hospitals, I mean, down South, it's, 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 it's a public health version of a wildfire. You know, when you have a Republican governor in Alabama, Kay Ivey, like angrily castigating, she's a Republican, you know, Alabamans for not getting, saying this is unvaccinated people's fault. And this to me feels like the logical conclusion of all that dramatic political posturing and fighting and social divide last year. It really does come down to personal choice and personal responsibility. And then uh, to me, it's not a very far leap to Darwinism. And I know it doesn't sound nice, but I can't make this decision for other people. And the consequences like they're seen in Alabama as people dying is because personal decisions were or weren't made about, about vaccinations. And I also think it's fascinating. And Eric, I know you're a sports fan too, but watching uh, NFL coaches at these training camps come out and Justin, you're a sports fan too. I know Lauren, you, you may be, but these coaches are coming into their press conferences exasperated that their players won't get vaccinated. And this year uh, they could forfeit games, which in the you know game in the NFL is worth what, you know, $50 million, a win. I mean, whatever it, it to see, try to, to try to bring a logical framework to what is happening and say, why won't people get vaccinated? So I'm just going to open it up at this point, And I know that's not a question, but I want you guys to weigh in on that. Like, to what extent can government even fix this, this problem? Or are we just standing back and watching a, a personal choice catastrophe happening in front of us? Well, I, I think one thing that's kind of important to, to note is this vaccine that we have, these three vaccines that we have available here, while data proves for months and months and months that this is a safe and effective vaccine, and there are some cases where there are um, uh, negative effects that come from somebody who gets a vaccine, but those are such a small number um, that generally speaking, it's safe to say that these are are safe vaccines that do work at protecting uh, people from COVID-19. And if you get it, you're not going to get it as severe. You're not going to end up in the hospital. Um, and But the, the vaccine still has emergency use authorization. It's not quite fully approved by the FDA yet. And so there are folks who kind of lean heavily on that specific approval. And they call it there. I think when, when it gets approved uh, by the FDA, one of them does, which health officials kind of expect that to be around this fall, um, I think then you'll start to see the conversations of now we can mandate a shot. Now we can, the mandates that you have for other vaccines, 
around schools and whatnot. That's, you can't really do that to my knowledge when it's not a fully approved vaccine. So I think once you, you see the FDA come forward and, and give full approval to one of these vaccines, I think you'll see those conversations around mandates um, as much as folks don't like being told what to do. Um, I, I think that will give employers and local municipalities a little more power there to, to maybe push if the, the things like incentivizing vaccines aren't working. And, you know, Michigan had a lottery recently and they've been giving out money to try to incentivize it. And sure, people have gotten vaccinated since then, but we haven't seen a dramatic uptick in people getting vaccinated. Yeah, and I think uh, to add to that, um, so far the messaging has been uh, what the incentives are to get vaccinated, right? Trying to encourage people to get vaccinated because all of these good things will happen if you do. Now, clearly for a certain subset of the population that absolutely worked. Um, and I think there was hope from a lot of public officials and public health experts that enough of the population would want that um, and, and be encouraged by that positive message to, um, to sort of cover for the people who weren't gonna get vaccinated anyway or were hesitant and haven't gotten vaccinated yet. Uh, clearly we're seeing that that is not enough um, from a public health perspective to stop the spread of some of these variants. And so I think um, I would be surprised um, if it didn't start trending this direction that now it is going to be, there are negative consequences if you do not get this vaccine. We're seeing the universities come forward, start to say we need vaccinations if you're coming in person. Um, you're starting to see some businesses. I think concert venues are probably gonna be a logical next step or some of those events where a lot of people are going to be, um, you're gonna start seeing people say, show me the vaccination card or show me that you've had a negative test in the last you know, day or two and then we'll let you in. Um, so I think that is probably the next step uh, because I think that um, yes, the government has in the past uh, implemented restrictions um, such as masking and uh, limits on in-person activity. And those were unpopular, but um, you know, they were in a lot of cases effective, um, at least over the course of the pandemic. And so I think the next step, if the positive, if the positive reinforcement isn't working, um, businesses and um, you know local municipalities and universities and uh, everyone who wants to continue staying open are going to have to make some tough calls. They might piss some people off, but at the end of the day, um, you know I think everybody wants this to stop spreading. You're listening to Behind the Headlines, an MLI podcast. Our guests today are Lauren Gibbons and Justin Hicks, journalists on our MLive statewide team. And we are discussing COVID, the summer sequel, unfortunately. Um, and so far, we've had some interesting discussions about personal responsibility, but also the role of government and institutions. Um, it seems to me this is sort of like what happens if you let your kids pick what they want to eat. And, you know, a few years later, they're, they're you know, on an insulin shock and they're diabetic because all they eat is fruity pebbles, you know. Um, last year, Lauren, you made a very good point. Um, there were government exercises and government control <laughs> using the, uh, the, the laws and the power that was available to the governor and the health department to, to um, 
impose restrictions and they were effective. Um, they were, we were able to track a downward uh, trend in, in infections, you know, in, uh, people in hospital uh, intensive care units, the spread of it through the state. Um, and we had, a, we had a little brief Shangri-La here where it, when it went down and restrictions started to be removed, um, it's, it seemed like we had enough vaccinations to maybe get us through. But it's clear with the variant and, and just regular COVID coming back that that's probably not going to be the case. Um, the last few summer weekends, you know, the beaches, I've been out, the beaches are full. I've been in a series of restaurants where there were no empty tables. Um, they're not pushing the, the hand sanitizer on people. I mean, it just looks like the summers that we were used to. But um, the stories that we've been writing on MLive and that we've seen in national media show that um, it seems inevitable that whether it's political or otherwise, we're going to have to go back to some kinds of restrictions. And uh, one thing I note, too, is there's eight universities or colleges in Michigan now that are mandating vaccines for their students to come back, including Michigan State University and University of Michigan. Um, some businesses nationally are uh, telling their employees they have to be vaccinated or, or, or not can't come to work, uh, possibly risk losing their jobs. And some other institutions are doing the same thing. Lauren and, and Justin, is this going to fall on uh, other entities outside of the political realm to exercise these kind of controls? You know, I think that this is a very, very tricky minefield to walk through um, because you have um, all of the you know, ramifications of does a person have to get a vaccine? Um, is it, you know, it, there's there's a lot of argument about where that falls and how much someone can require something to do. But um, at the same token, um, if, uh, if governments, if businesses, if universities, if all of these places that want to continue having people in person move past this economic devastation that we have had over the last year and a half, um, it, there's going to need to be a, a distinction between people who are vaccinated and people who are not vaccinated, right? Um, I think to keep the vaccinated people happy or to keep them from questioning, as Justin mentioned earlier, whether it was worth it to get the vaccine if some of these things start happening again, I, I think that logically um, a lot of people are going to have to make a call. It's like, are we going to, you know, accept more restrictions and, um, you know, I guess cover for the people who are not getting vaccinated at this point, or are we going to limit what we're doing um, to vaccinated individuals? And so it is going to be a minefield, as I said, um, politically speaking, restrictions are extremely unpopular, especially now that the genie is out of the bottle. We've had a taste of normal life again. Uh, we've been able to go to events. We've been able to do um, a lot of things that we were not able to do during the pandemic. And people are going to have a really, really hard time um, accepting that restrictions are necessary again, even if they are. Yeah, that's that's all true. Um, and I would I would add that I think if, if it was just a matter of if you get fully vaccinated, um, you're completely uh, free and risk-free of getting COVID. I think, it, you know, you, you would have, yes, folks who are unvaccinated getting sick, but it would kind of be, 
know, you have the chance to protect yourself if it was just a matter of vaccinated versus unvaccinated. But when you take into account the idea of you don't know when you go to a grocery store, if you encounter somebody who maybe they can't get a vaccine um, because of their other health conditions or medications they're on, or you may pass on a virus to them without knowing it, and they might bring it home to their three kids that are younger than 12 who can't get a vaccine. And the, the idea of the longer that the virus is able to kind of go from person to person, it, it will evolve like it has, and we've had multiple variants. And the virus's goal is to eventually um, increase in infectiousness because it wants to be able to spread from host to host. It wants to continue to, to live on. Um, the goal biologically is to not kill the host. However, you know, it, you may have some some strains that are more or less deadly, more or less infectious, but realistically they're 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 in theory going to get more infectious. And eventually they may find a way to work around our vaccines to where we need boosters, we need new vaccines. So the idea that that well these these unvaccinated people have made their choice and they'll deal with the consequences, well they might not be the only ones who have to deal with those consequences. If we get a, a variant next year that skirts this vaccine. We may have to go through a lot more of what we've already gone through. We may have to get vaccinated again, wait for development. And so it does kind of fall back on the vaccinated folks as well, that even though they've gotten vaccinated and you, you, there's a chance or you think you'd hope they could ditch the mask, they could ditch the mandates and whatnot. It's possible that this will continue and continue until we can get to a number of people who are immune to slow the evolution of this virus. Uh, that's coming, wanna, that's coming from a journalist who's talked to a lot of health officials. And I gotta, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm stuck on something you said, Justin. I got to go back to it. What you just described is that a molecular level virus is smarter than the most evolved species that's ever lived on Earth, right? It's already figured out that we're dumb enough that it, it, it doesn't want to kill us. It wants to keep us alive enough to keep it passing around, right? That's that's really encouraging. Well, I, I do think, I mean, sci when you go to the science of it, I do think that that is the, the goal of the evolution of a virus is to keep itself alive, to continue growing and, and passing itself on. And so if you have a virus that kills off its host entirely, well, it's going to kill itself off as well. And so realistically, it wants to become more infectious. Uh, it wants to uh, continue to pass from host to host, dodge vaccines. Um, and so you're kind of playing a game where the, the enemy is evolving over time and uh, quickly if it can bounce from a lot of people. So Well, it's only going it, to, it, it dodges the vaccine because people don't take the vaccine, but uh, I'll just leave that right there. Um, could you talk a little bit about breakthrough cases and it that gets a lot of attention too um it doesn't it seems like it's outlier it doesn't seem like it's the main issue but it is happening right what are public health officials saying about breakthrough cases that is cases of covid or delta variant in people who've been vaccinated yeah so in michigan we have about five million people who have gotten at least one dose of vaccine and so far to date this year um while we've had vaccines available, we've had about, we've had less than 9,000 breakthrough cases. And so that comes out to less than 1% of vaccinated people have tested positive 
after being fully vaccinated have tested positive for COVID-19. Uh, it's like a less than 0.2%. So it's a very small percentage and doctors and, and health folks have always known that there are some cases, um, no vaccine is 100%. So there are gonna be some cases that slip through, but typically those folks who get, who test positive for COVID after being fully vaccinated, they tend to have um, less severe cases. They tend to have less chances of ending up in a hospital. I think the hospital folks I've talked to have said 99.5% of our patients here with COVID are unvaccinated. Uh, it's it's gonna be very rare to have somebody who is fully vaccinated need hospital care because of their COVID case. Um, so they there is some thought that because the Delta variant Delta variant is more infectious. Um, you may see a slight increase in those breakthrough cases, but you're talking about increasing from less than half of 1%. Uh, so it's still, it's the vaccines are still holding up. They're still working very well. And those breakthrough cases are not as bad as you're seeing with those uh, infections of unvaccinated people. And Lauren, you've been, I thought you were pretty clear that there, there was no appetite for political uh, intervention at this point, but what would it take? Um, I mean, are they just going to stand back and watch this play out in Lansing? Well, I, you know, I'm watching uh, with intense interest around uh, the country um, as some of these, especially in the South, um, a lot of these Republican officials have come forward and tried to encourage their base to get vaccinated. We have not really seen that in Michigan at this point. I think the political strategy so far with COVID-19 um, by legislative Republicans is to really be on the side of people who want things to be open, restrictions to be lifted, lay the bulk of the blame of all of the economic problems and uh, the inconveniences that people experienced onto the Whitmer administration because uh, her administration took um, authority first from the governor's office and then through DHHS. There's still an active uh, campaign out there collecting signatures to try and uh, repeal the law that gives DHHS the authority to do restrictions. A lot of legislative Republicans support it. But um, one thing I am really interested to see if uh, Michigan starts to turn into, um, you know, we start seeing the same number of cases, the same uh, types of devastation that some of the um, unvaccinated populations in the South are experiencing right now, are Republicans going to come forward and, uh, and endorse the vaccine? Um, I did some reporting with uh, my colleague, Sam Dodge, a couple months ago, um, where we surveyed all of the prominent, all of the state's lawmakers um, and by and large, Democrats were a lot more willing to talk about the vaccine, say that they got it, um, talk to their constituents about the benefits of getting a vaccine. The strongest message that we've seen from legislative Republicans at this point is get it if you want it. And I'm very curious if cases start getting worse in Michigan, if it gets to a point um, where um, you know businesses and universities and maybe I guess it becomes less partisan of a fight uh, against COVID-19 and, you know, enough people, Republicans and Democrats alike who are vaccinated 
um, are getting frustrated. I'm curious to see if the messaging changes from get the vaccine if you want to get the vaccine if you want to keep things open. Yeah, um, I saw a story in the uh, Washington Post, I think, that said there were people in Missouri who were using disguises to go get their vaccines because publicly, you know, the, the, the fishbowl they live in, that's that that's something you, you know, you don't identify that way. Um, but personal safety, you know, uh, trumps that, but it, the, the shame of getting a vaccine made them wear disguises to get their vaccine. And it, it seems, I saw a story about a Michigan Republican who admitted he got a vaccine, but gave a bunch of rationalizations for why, like almost you got to explain to your base, you know, uh, that there's still that political divide over that. And Lauren, one thing, and, you know, Justin too, um, but I just haven't, I can't remember the last time I saw our governor up talking about, about COVID, about the vaccines. Um, is, can, has there been a recent appearance or press conference where she's addressed this? Um, I think that, I think she has just, it hasn't been um, in the same format as um, previous press conferences, obviously, um, throughout the pandemic, she was doing these virtual press conferences. They're live streamed on Facebook. Um, now more of the press conferences are in person. Uh, we've moved kind of back to that. So she's definitely still talking about it. And um, with these vaccination um, lottery winners, she's tried to, you know, encourage the benefits of the vaccine. Um, and, you know, she's been asked, um, you know, many times by many different reporters, you know, will there need to be restrictions again? And she's been, you know, kind of iffy on that subject, right? She doesn't want to say that <laughs> there needs to be restrictions because she, you know, facing a 2022 re-election also knows that restrictions are unpopular. Um, and so I think that, I think that right now, at least the administration has not said, or, you know, been super clear about what they plan to do if, it gets worse in Michigan. Um, and, you know, the numbers right now are troubling, um, but we haven't seen the same, um, the same sorts of, you know, cases and death rates as we've seen in the South yet, but that doesn't mean that it's not possible. Um, so I think everyone is just kind of watching and waiting. And I think the big question will be, you know, what, what does, the administration do? What does the governor do um, in the coming months if things get bad again? Because I don't think we'll see that same push from the legislature. Right. Okay. Last question. Uh, thank you. This has been a great discussion and great updates. Um, but as journalists, what are you most intrigued by what comes next or, or the aspects of this that you may want to cover or what you're going to be watching closely? Justin? Yeah, um, I, I think I wouldn't say I'm looking forward to covering anything in uh, the realm of what we have been covering with the numbers and the, the surges and what comes with closing things down and reopening things back up and, and uh, that that stuff. But I am interested in further reporting on the aftermath of, of the pandemic, what this has done to people's mental health, uh, what it's done to uh, folks with addiction, uh, what it's done to um, uh raise kind of uh, an awareness or a reminder that fitness and health, um, both physical and mental health are so important when it comes to giving yourself a shot. If you have um, 
a situation where you have a virus come along. And we saw the folks who were hit hardest by this virus were a lot of folks who had underlying health conditions. And so the idea of eating well and taking care of yourself is really important because uh, your body needs to have that protection and, and strength to you know, fight an illness down the road. And so I think there's a lot of uh, interesting uh, stories that will follow after the pandemic, after the case numbers are no longer a daily reporting thing to kind of look at folks on uh, the mental health level and, and the physical level of um, kind of a, a refocused um, look at how, what are we doing to take care of ourselves? You know, John, uh, I was, uh, I, I was looking forward um, to covering issues that were not COVID-19 related because yeah. because other issues haven't gone away, right? I cover, I cover public policy, I cover the state government, and uh, there's clearly a lot of other issues that are not public health related. Of course, everything has been impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic, in a lot of cases made more complicated. And, um, you know, I was looking forward into delving more into, you know, how the pandemic has impacted all of these things that um, we need to move forward from somehow. But now I'm kind of concerned uh, that we might not be moving forward from it. Um, you know, we keep thinking, especially since the restrictions have been lifted, I think personally and professionally, I've been thinking, well, you know, is this when we start moving forward, when we start getting past um, the collective trauma that we have all experienced by living through this pandemic. And now I'm not sure. Now I have no idea what it, it's starting to get back to, you know, what was going on in the initial stages of the pandemic, just not really knowing um, what could possibly come next. And I think we're, it, it hasn't quite gotten there yet in Michigan, but um, the trends around the country are, you know, I, I'm wondering what's coming next just as much as anybody else is, so. And John, well, I'd, like, I'd like to add, and, and I'd be remiss not to, um, I, was, I was at a COVID unit last week um, just talking to doctors, nurses who have been in the, the thick of this throughout the whole pandemic and just talking to folks who have been in healthcare for years and um, some of their, their teammates in the hospital have left healthcare because this has just been too much on them. And you can see it in some of these health folks who have been here caring for patients who are at the worst of COVID throughout all of this, just the, the weight that they're carrying and just the, you know, they, they get emotional. Every single doctor I talked to, nurse I talked to had gotten emotional at one point talking about a specific patient that sticks with them or just kind of the weight of it all. And, and each one went back to the idea of if people would just see what we see every day, there, there would be more people getting vaccinated. There'd be more people who would be taking steps to get this over with because these, these folks who have been at the front lines, they're exhausted. So right. I think, I think that's an important thing to, to share. I think yeah. everybody, I think everybody needs it to be over, but not everybody is doing what it takes for it to be over. That's what it comes down to. Well, to stick with the movie theme or end with the movie theme, you know, the sci-fi movies like Outbreak uh, or the Ebola syndrome or whatever, in these movies, um, the disease is the monster. 
the diseases who you're fighting. And the whole dramatic arc of the movie is beating the disease, humans fighting the disease. Real life has turned out to be much more complex. We're fighting each other. We're fighting science. We're fighting fears. And, you know, 100 years from now, when they look back on this, it wasn't a simple movie where you're fighting the disease. <laughs> it was far more complex. And sadly, we're still a year later. Here we are dealing with it. And I hope it's the only sequel. Thank, hopefully, um, for some reason, I'm not super optimistic. But uh, thank you again for joining today. Thanks for your great work on this topic. Uh, I, and to your point, Lauren, um, I would love to have you go back to the mundane matters of everyday, you know, <laughs> government follies. But uh, I, I don't think we're going to do that anytime soon. But oh, thanks. So <laughs> I'd love to be more optimistic. Anyways, thanks for joining Behind the Headlines. Another great episode. And thank you, Eric Culkin, uh for uh, turning the dials and uh, for, for this great conversation. And there they go. Big thanks to Justin and Lauren for joining us today. And as always, if you like what John and I are doing, make sure you like, subscribe, and share wherever you get your podcast. Till next week, he is John Heiner. I am Eric Hulkerin, and this is Behind the Headlines.